Father, I thank you that you've been so gracious to us and you've allowed us the opportunity one more time to come into your word, to be able to look in it, to be able to just smile and enjoy you and the goodness of you in the land of the living. I thank you for your books. They teach us how to think, not only how to think, but they also teach us what's important. We have so many people in this world that are always trying to move us from steadfastness, always trying to give us an agenda. But you have this book here, Joel, and it shows us some things that we need to know to the praise of your glory. Help us, guide us, strengthen us so that we will be the people that you would have us to be in every way. Amen, amen, and amen. We're back in the book of Joel, and again, it's Joel, Yoel, the way it would really be pronounced. And if you notice me sweating tonight, our air conditioner went out, and I mean, I got a little fan on over there. We got water over here, and if I just start sweating, it's just the way it is. If I was working outside, I'd sweat. I can sweat for the Lord. You know, that, that, that funny-looking dude named Richard Simmons he used to sweat to the oldies, and he was such he was such an abomination to look at. Well, I can sweat for the word of God. So let's go back to what we've covered in the book of Joel. I'm going to go back to Joel chapter 1, verse 1. The word of Yahweh came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, you elders, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell, listen to this, tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children, another generation. That right there is enough. And I'm not saying that to be flippant. That is enough for an individual to begin to understand that anyone that has taken in your history, especially when a history that's supposed to be dealing with the Most High God, they are damning you. They are damning your generation. They are damning your offspring. So you're leaving a legacy that's not the legacy that God would want you to have. Notice he says, okay, what about your fathers? He expected you to know what your fathers have done. Then tell your children to the fourth generation. Often, we don't even know enough about God that we got one generation to give this to our children. Most of the time that I hear someone, they can tell me something about them, the things of God, they'll tell me it was their grandmother. I don't ever remember somebody saying, my grandfather taught me. I don't ever remember somebody saying that my grandfather taught me the ways of God, that my grandfather taught me to be chaste, that my grandfather taught me not to whore, that my grandfather 
but that gummit, I'm a grandfather. So when my children get up to a certain age, I want them to be able to just tell the truth. No, my granddaddy wasn't like that. No, my granddad, my granddaddy believed in talking the truth about God. Well, this is the inheritance, the inheritance for his people. Verse number four, that which the palmer worm have left, the locusts have eaten, and that which the locusts have left, canker worm is eaten, and that which the canker worm have left, have the caterpillar eaten. Here is the point. There was four different types of judgment. So you got a little bit at the tail end of that. There was another type of locust at the tail end of that. There was another kind of locust at the tail end of that. There was another kind of locust. You got four judgments. You had four different generations that supposed to get the truth. Now listen to the excitement of the people during the days of Joel. I will guarantee you that if you see the parallel in this, you begin to understand that the book of Joel is not to tell you about the end of the world. It's actually to tell you what it is to get right and to be right with the Most High God. Listen to what it says in that fifth beautiful verse. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep. And howl, you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come upon my land strong and without numbers, whose teeth are as the teeth of a lion, and he has the cheek teeth of a great lion. He has laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He has made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Lament like a virgin girded with set cough for the husband of her youth. The meat offering, the drink offering is cut off from the house of Yahweh. The priest, Yahweh's ministers mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourneth. For the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languishes. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. The vine is dried up. The fig tree, listen to this, languishes. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. Even all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Howl, ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie in the night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God. For the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding. From the house of your God. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land and to the house of the Lord your God. And cry unto Yahweh. Alas for the day. 
for the day, for the day, for the day of Yahweh is at hand. And as a destruction from the Almighty, it shall come. It is not for the meat cut off before your eyes. Yea, joy and gladness from the house of God. The seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate and the barns are broken down. For the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of the cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. O Yahweh, to thee will I cry, for the fire has devoured the pasture of the wilderness and the flame that burned uh, burnt all the trees of the field. For the beasts of the field cry unto thee. For the rivers of water are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. When you look at this passage, what you're seeing is the devastation of a nation. What you see is the devastation of a nation of people that were supposed to be walking in God's truth and in his righteousness. And what they had done, they had conducted themselves in such a way that the hand of God was against them. And so this is the picture that we need you to see. Not only need you to see it, but this is what we got going on in our world right now. And so since this is what we have going on in our world right now, what we ought to do is see the parallel and let it help us. First of all, teach your children and your children, children. Do not let overlords of your Christianity, do not let overlords of what you call when you read the Bible, let them tell you what is true and what is right and you ignore what God's word say that is damnable, it is stupid because if they're not going to treat you right in school, if they're not going to treat you right in law, if they're not going to treat you right in the legal system, if they're not going to treat you right, as a matter of fact, uh, there's a lot of things that Dr. Tony Evans say that sounds good. I don't believe in his once saved, always saved, but they wouldn't even let him in seminary. He said they wouldn't even, I'm good, I'm good. They wouldn't let him in seminary. They wouldn't allow him to be on the radio because the overlord said they didn't want him to be able to preach. Now, why can't he preach the same thing they preach? As a matter of fact, he can preach the same thing that they preach, and many times he does it better and more eloquently. It's just the fact I'm not going to ever tell you once you're saved, you're always saved, and, you don't, and you're not going to have to get to the place where you don't have to make yourself subject to the law of God. Because Romans 8 and 7 says, The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It doesn't make the man not a good speaker. But you outlawed him. Now, that's just the one that we know about. What about everybody else that you did that to? Then you gave the slave Bibles to different ones in the earlier part of the 1800s. But listen to what the Bible says. The palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, and the caterpillar. He says, awake drunkards. You got all this stuff coming upon you, drunkards. Why are you drunk? Two kinds, of, two kinds of drunk. 
You got a drunk when you're not paying attention to your surrounding and you're intoxicated with what you got going on. Then you got the drunkards where you drink all the time. So he says, how you drinkers of wine, because the new wine is cut off so they can make new wine. It will be sweeter. It wouldn't ferment as long as the older wine, but you could get drunk off of it. But he says it is cut off from your mouth. You got your locusts eating the vineyard. And once they eat the vineyard, you got the situation where your next year, your next year, your next year is going to be messed up. Please understand, when it talks about the locusts, you're talking about an insect. But it's also going to be talking about an army. It's going to be talking about maybe the Assyrians, the Babylonians, maybe talking about even both. But I just need you to understand, here is the picture that is being given. Probably, if the Lord's will on next week, I'm going to show you a lot, of, uh, show you a lot of things, the imagery that is used whenever we are dealing with uh, imagery of the Bible and prophetic imagery. That way, you don't get the saying, you know, that this means certain things. Like, for instance, when they say the moon is going to turn to blood and and the stars not going to give their light. I'll give you this one for free. Move that a little bit, Don, because it's blowing on my on my chest. Okay. Yeah. Turn it. Yeah, you're good. I can live with that. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm good. I am because if I need you to move it again, I'll just. But I'm good. You see, in Genesis chapter one, I believe it's verse twenty-eight. Let me check. But I'm telling you what the scripture says. He put the sun, the moon, and the stars, the times, seasons, etc. And this is what the imagery is using whenever you're looking in the book of any book that's dealing with prophecy. Any book that's dealing with prophecy is going to use that imagery as the same imagery that when Joseph did his dream, he says he saw the sun, he saw the moon, and the 11 stars, they bowed down to him, and his daddy understood what that meant. Okay, it's 1 in 14. I don't know why I thought it was 28. Bible says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs. Signs. So when you start talking about sun, moon, and stuff, it's for signs. And it's not just for lights. He, look at it. He says he's going to put light in the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs. So let them divide the heaven. Yeah, you don't have to move it again. I'm sorry. It, it divided from the it divided from the day and the night. And, and the reason for that is is because I'm sweating, and so by making me wet is making me cold on my. Uh-oh, turn it toward you. Turn it some more. Yes. I, um, I'd rather I'd rather be hot because I'm sweating on here. You can't really see it. I'm good, precious. You're good. You're taking care of me, okay? Um, it, I just didn't know. I'm good. I'd, I'd rather sweat, you know, because it's a different feel when you're wet and the fan blowing. It made me feel like cold. It's like, I'm going to cough. I don't want to cough. That, that's what it is. It's like, I feel like I want to cough. I don't want to cough. All righty. So let's go back to it. And let it be for lights in the firmament. The first thing is, this is his job. 
light up the firmament. That's denotated, correct? Then it says to divide. They got a job to do. Divide the day from the night. Then let them be for signs. Not just something happened, not just full moon, for signs. And Joseph was able to, when he said he dreamed the sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowed down. He said, sister, your mother and I bow to you and your brothers. Signs and for seasons. That word seasons is moed. Moed, moed, those are the time when the Most High was going to set his feast days for his people. For seasons, for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night. He made the stars also. And he set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God thought it was good. You're going to find out as we move through the book of Joel or Yoel, you're going to see that those are the positions that people in government had. As a matter of fact, they call stupid people now celebrities. They call, they call them stars and all of that. But what happens is you're going to find the king is in the position of like being a son. Like you're the son that shines. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh went all the way Call himself the son of God. And then when you deal with the moon, often it will be the women. You got political things. We're not going to go into all of that right now. But I just wanted to give that for free because when you start saying the book of Joel is dealing with stuff with what we're dealing with now, and it's like, I, I, I don't want you to keep telling me this. Give me a little taste of it. So that was a preview. And it says in verse number five, awake drunkards, and weep. How you drinkers of wine because the new wine is cut off for a nation is come upon my land. Notice the transition from the caterpillar, the locust, the different ones. A nation has come upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he has cheek teeth of a great lion. In other words, he can devour you. Just like the locusts can devour your plants, this one is come upon my land to devour. He has laid my vine waste. Who is his vine? Israel was the vine. Where you get that from? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us in Isaiah chapter 5? Isaiah chapter 3, planted a vineyard, went to go get fruit, and ended up getting horrible fruit. As a matter of fact, it was no good. Not only that, but we see in John 15, the Messiah says, I'm the true vine. Because you all were a corrupt vine. My father is the husbandman. So he goes, the vine, the vine motif is still there. But he says, he laid me waste. He says, he laid my vine waste, barked my trees. In other words, you trees, my fig trees. Big old beautiful fig tree. You take the bark off of it, and you can't get those big purple figs. See, I know what figs look like. What it gets me upset when the squirrels eat them, and the birds eat part of them, and then the yellow jackets on it. And I want to get one of those big old figs, and that's sometimes I just don't care about. What I'm gonna eat. I don't want to eat the carbohydrate, but if the fig is purple, I'm gonna eat me one of them. But 
lot of times the birds have done it. Well, imagine when you got a nation that have barked the trees. Lament <clears throat> like a like a virgin girded with sackcloth for you. Imagine if you would, a woman marries her husband and he goes off to war. Then trying to be twenty two, he exempted you from going to war for the first year that you could cheer up your wife. So you got this you got this beautiful thing going on and now your husband goes off the war and he gets killed. And you a virgin, you suppose that you betrothed to this man and now you're girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. I submit to you that we have a lot of un unrealized potential. We have a lot of unrealized family structure. We have a lot of unrealized happiness that we should have as a family because of the remember all of this comes about because of wickedness and i showed you all that last week when we went to isaiah chapter one i just didn't go back through that this week and it says the meat offering and the drink offering is is cut off from the house in other words you're supposed to be able to go and have these sacrifices and participate with the lord but you can't because it's cut off from the house of the Lord. So you go in to make a meat offering or your drink offering or you go to in uh tribute to God, you don't have it. The priest, listen to this the priest, the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted, the land mourn. Do you not think that there's a lot of stuff right now? Do you not think that we mourn? Do you not think that we have a, a really, really, really bad situation going on in our lives? Our economy is bad. Our children don't obey. We have teachers that want money, but they don't want to teach you the truth. We got people that want to corrupt our children, their children, and they want to put transgender, as they call it, over us. And then they want to go on our children, and then they want to tell us that God doesn't matter. <clears throat> it says, for the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, the oil languishes, the field wasted, taking and taking the information, taking your food, they've taken things, wandered it, destroyed it. And when he said the it's not saying like the land is crying. The people of the land are mourning devastation. The grain or the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up and the oil, it languishes. Where do you get this from, Tim? I want you to see what God had said to these people in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me make this perfectly clear. In order for you to understand any of the prophets, any of them set of commentaries to understand the prophets is to read the book of Deuteronomy. Every one of those chapters I would consider to be a commentary. I would I would consider that, especially chapter 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32. Listen to how Deuteronomy 7 is a commentary on what Joel is speaking. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 13, listen to the word of God. 
God said, I will love thee. I will bless thee. I will multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, thy wine, thy oil, increase of your kind or cattle, flocks of your sheep in the land which ye swear to give your fathers and to give thee. Understand this is what the prosperity was to be for his people. Listen to 11, Deuteronomy 7 and 11. I mean, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11, verse 14, that I will give you rain in your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain. In other words, the first rain when you plant, and then there's a rain that will come back around again that you could plant again, that you may as gather your corn or your um, grain, because corn is really grain in King James, your grain and your wine and your oil. I know your preachers tell you you're not supposed to have wine, but what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You don't have to drink it if you don't want to, but don't go tell the people they can't have it because they want to follow prohibition, something that was set up during the days of Al Capone and all that. No, that's not biblical. That's just something that they fact. So when they were given that, look at what it would be with his judgment when you did wrong. Deuteronomy, that's fine. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 49. It says, and Yahweh, you better hear this. Let me say it slowly. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 49. And Yahweh will bring a nation against thee from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as an eagle, as swift as an eagle flying, a nation whose tongue you shall not understand. A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. He shall eat the fruit of your cattle and the fruit of your land until thou be destroyed. Do you see how it is just like the locusts? It says, and so shall not corn, wine, nor oil, nor increase of kind, or flocks of thy sheep until he has destroyed thee. This is what Joel is quoting. He's quoting, he's quoting what God has said through Moses. Why? Because God is being consistent. But I want you to understand something. He's going to bring a nation against thee from afar, from afar, the eagle flies. Well, eventually Rome came in and destroyed his people. And their emblem was an eagle. And they scattered his people throughout all the world. I mean, look at us. We're here now. But there's a nation whose tongue you shall not understand. That's why when I tell people that speaking in tongues is a sign of a curse, it was a sign. Why was it a sign? Because the nations were supposed to come to you. They were supposed to come to the mountain of the house of the Lord and learn of the Lord. It wasn't to be that they would come in and that they would be telling you what it's supposed to be. This is what's going on here. I understand people don't like when I say that. That ain't even what I was talking about. Yeah, just in case, let me open up another Bible. I want to open up another Bible because it's imperative. Because I throw it out there and somebody says, 
I don't like what you said about that. Really, should I care? Should I care? Most of the time when somebody don't like something, a lot of time it's because they hadn't seen it. It's because they hadn't heard it. So let me go and let Isaiah quote what was said right there from Moses. I think it's Isaiah 28 and 11. 28 and there it is, Isaiah 28 and 11. It says, for with stammering lips, stammering lips or speech, and with another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you shall cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet, yet they would not hear. But the word of Yahweh was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and all fall backward and be broken and be snared and tempted. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that the, that the rule is in Jerusalem. And I could go on. It's, I'm a, I need to read 15. Because you have said we've made a covenant with death. And with hell we are in agreement. When the overflowing, overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come upon us. Notice. First time it's said. Deuteronomy 28, 49. Yahweh will bring a nation upon thee from afar into the earth as swift as an eagle flies whose tongue thou shalt not understand. 28 and 11, Isaiah's quoting Moses. That's why I keep telling you the commentary on what you call the prophets is Moses. While with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, all right, and then they're not going to listen. Let's see if Paul agrees with that. 1 Corinthians 14 and 21. 1 Corinthians 14, 21, listen to what Paul says. In the law, it is written. In the law, in Moses, it is written. With men of other tongues and with other lips with his people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign not to them that believe. Now, I've been reading since I was three years old. And I know what the word not means. Tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Sign was you're under judgment. What do you mean, Tim? You had the Assyrians that come in and had a different language. They drove you out. They brought other people in. When they had some people to come in, now they had to bring somebody back from the Levites to teach the Sumerians or Samaritans how to serve God. But they weren't no more the Jewish people. Now, I don't like to say Jewish, the Hebrew people. Now, when you look under the days of Nebuchadnezzar, if I was teaching the book of Daniel again, if I Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he takes Hananiah, 
Mishael, and Azariah, and Daniel. This king changes their name. Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave them their food for a certain amount of time. He gave them their pulse, and they had to learn. Well, he gave them pulse after they demanded it, but he gave them their culture. He, they a different language. They had to learn the language of the Chaldees. It was a sign of a curse that you had to learn that language. So then when the day of Pentecost came and you got all these Jews from other parts of the heaven and now they got all these different languages as opposed to people coming to learn from God like they're supposed to. Now you got all of this going on in these people. Now they're having to have the word of God explained differently. And so Paul said, tongues, he said, that's not the greatest gift. He said, I'll show you a more excellent way. He starts out with 13th chapter 1st Corinthians, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. I become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. That means I could have that gift and I still don't equal much. Well, let's look back at what we're dealing with in Joel. This you're going to send the nation a fierce countenance. I'm going back to Moses because I need us to not to forget this. So you're going to send the nation in Assyria and Babylon do before the, um, during the days of Joel, I believe, was still coming on Israel. So I wanted you to see that. So you got a different language. They're coming upon you. It's more than one that would happen because we saw that same thing happen in the book of Judges. A nation of fierce countenance. We shall not regard the person of the old or show favor to the young. This is the virtue to see. He shall lead up your fruit, your cattle, till your land be destroyed. He's not going to leave corn, wine, or oil. Seize your gates until your fence walls come down. Seize your gates fall. He'll besiege your gates throughout the land, which Yahweh has given to thee. So this is why I say when you look at the book of Joel, you're really getting the opportunity to see that he's quoting Moses, but he's also letting us understand this is our faith. Fought with him. So you got the palmer worm, the canker worm, the locust, and all that being eaten. And I know some people get saying, God going to give you all that the locust have eaten. Not if you're wicked. Not if you're wicked. If you get it and you're wicked, that's your own doing. And you better not want to gain the whole world and lose your soul. Nine, back in Joel 1 and 9, the meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests of the Lord's ministers mourn. The field is wasted. The land mourns. The corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. And the oil languages. Now do you see what I'm saying? All of this comes from Moses. There's one other one that I'd like you to see. This is cool. Yahweh, through the prophet Hosea. Through the prophet Hosea, he's saying, Israel, she did not. Hosea 2 and 8. Hosea 2 and 8. She did not know I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiply. 
for which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, my wine in the season, and recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. This is what we see going on in the book of Joel. And he's saying this is why the, the canker worm for different things. Sometimes you'd have the sword, the famine, pestilence, and the wild beast. So now you get with the four different types of canker worms or caterpillars or locusts. But look at us. We losing our children in the womb. They kill our babies in the womb and they act like it's nothing. We have Supreme Court justices that's supposed to be supreme. They supposed to whatever they say is supposed to be the law. How in the world nine people get to have that kind of power and neither one of them are concerned about the things of God. And then they want to say that it's something not constitutional. Well, when the Constitution tells in a damn, a damnable lie, when the Constitution is something damned wrong with it, then it need to be right. Constitution, it didn't allow us to be human. But then you're going to say that there's a right. God, everybody that stood for that, I would to God, God would strike them dead and make the world know that what they want to happen, let it happen to them. Verse 11, be ashamed, ye husband, men, and how ye vine dresses for the wheat and the barley. That's two, that's two different times of year, the early rain, the latter rain, the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. In other words, your early crop and your later crop, it's no good. The vine is right up the fig languages. So you talking about that means something. Whenever you're living off of the land, you could have oil, you could have wine, you could have animals, you could have, you could eat well. You have to go to Kroger. You have to go get something. You don't know whether or not they washed the meat down with Clorox or, or whatever that they rejected it. If you had this growing, it says the fig tree languishes, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree, the apple tree, even all the trees are withered. In other words, I'm cutting you off. Look at our jobs. Look at our job situation sometimes. Look at how things are for us. Can you not see that often things are messed up for us and other people continually making money off of us? Other people, they can boycott us. If you tell the truth, we can shut you down because of the fact we can extort you. This is wicked. Is it because the joy is withered away from the sons of men? Gird yourselves. Lament, ye priests. How ye ministers of the altars. Come lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of God, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. What does he mean by that? Repent. Mm -hmm. Repent. We don't, I don't think we understand how bad it is. I think we get used to things being bad mm -hmm. and we start taking it. And we don't understand it doesn't have to be that way. Listen to what I was saying earlier about what God wanted. In Micah chapter 4, verse 1, I want you to hear this. But in the last days, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above all hills, 
and the people shall flow into it. In other words, it's not going to be that the mountain is going to be all of a sudden bigger than the other ones. The mountain of the house of the Lord is going to be elevated by God's righteousness. And it says, and all of the people should flow into it. This is why I'm saying it shouldn't have been that you were having somebody speak to you in their language. They need to be learning your language. It says, and many nations shall come to say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his path, for the law or Torah will go out of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So what happens is, when we don't realize that the mountain of the house of the Lord is coming from God, and we're supposed to be teaching, and we're supposed to be knowing, we're letting other people teach us. And we don't realize that we're messing up God's plan. His plan was for us to lead. The nations were supposed to come and learn. But what did we do? We found in the day of Pentecost that by the time you get to Romans chapter 11, you find out the people that were supposed to be the people of God have been broken off. What do you mean broken off? You're not walking with him. And now you got Gentile people, people from other nations. You got people coming in that are actually believing God's word more than you. And now the, the danger is, is that they're going to boast that they're better than you. And Paul said, don't boast. Don't boast. Because the root bears you. The root and the fatness bears you. You don't bear the root. The point made is, because you turned away from God, because you turned away from him, you lost your position. You can get it back if you don't stay in unbelief. And it says in the word, word of the Lord, it says in the word of the Lord will come and judge many people and to rebuke nations from afar off. They'll beat their plows, their swords in the plowshares and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nations Neither shall they learn war anymore. Why is that? It's because of the fact once God is doing the thing that he wants to do in the land, we'll get the opportunity to see that the blessing that he has set forth is not just for us. It was for us to be a blessing to other people. But most of the time, children of Israel, unfortunately, and I do mean that unfortunately, they will be carrying themselves in such a way that they would always be on the backside of God's judgment. Oh, why is it that they're having to be destroyed? Because I believe we just take God for granted. We take him for granted. And we're always looking for something else. Let's go back to our text. It says, after you tell them to mourn and uh, set up the sanctuary, you know, we to repent. In verse 14, sanctify fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land unto the house of the Lord your God and cry unto Yahweh. Alas, day, the day of Yahweh is at hand. Uh, we're going to talk about the day of Yahweh, especially in chapter 2. But I'm going to give you the first day of the Lord. When Adam and Eve sinned, that was the first day of the Lord. That was the first day of judgment. 
and until you begin to understand that there are many days of the Lord. Don't ever get the, ooh, the day of the Lord coming. Oh, the day of the Lord comes many times. As, as Pharaoh, did the day of the Lord come? As Saul, did the day of the Lord come? And so I'm going to be able to show you that that's something that the Lord uses in his motif so that we can understand children of Israel, when you turn against me, I do have a day of reckoning. And it's not going to always be the end of the world. Sometimes it just might be the end of you. Sometimes it just might be the end of your prosperity. Sometimes it might be the end of your family. So make sure that we begin to understand, because look at it, what it's saying here. As for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and the destruction of the Almighty shall come. It is not the meat cut off before your eyes. Joy, yea, joy and gladness from the house of God. It didn't say the end of the world. It's meat executing judgment. Their seed is rotten under the clods. Imagine you don't have any more seed to plant. The garners are laid waste. The barns are broken down. The corn is withered. This is the day of the Lord. This is my judgment. How did the beast groan? The herd. You think about that. The herd of the cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Now you're losing your meat. You're losing your animal. You're losing the produce. You've lost your oil. you lost your wine. This is the day of the Lord. It's my judgment. Yea, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. Oh, Yahweh, to thee will I cry. For the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Do you think when he says that, is he talking about a fire, everything caught on fire? Or is he talking about the judgment of fire? It has devoured the pasture. Oh, that's what fire does is devour. My judgment has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And a flame has burnt through the trees of the field. The beast of the field cry unto thee, for the rivers of waters are dried up. And it says, the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. You know, Jeremiah talks a little bit like that too. In Jeremiah 14 and 6, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 14 and 6, And the wild asses did stand in the high places. They snuffed up the wind like dragons. Their eyes did fail because there was no grass. The day of the Lord is always the day when God brings his judgment. It does not necessarily mean the end of the world. We will be talking more about that. But what we have laid a case for is why it is they were in this position. Why it is that we're in this position. Go back and read the commentary on what I would call the Old Testament, which is, I say, Deuteronomy. I'm not saying Exodus is not. It is a commentary. I'm not going to tell you that uh, Leviticus is not. But I'm telling you, Moses really lays it out because I believe Deuteronomy is written right at the end of Numbers anyway. Because God's telling you, you're going to go up there and die. And so Deuteronomy, Moses is giving them 32 chapters, 32 chapters of me before I die, what you got to do, what you got to do to be with God, what you got to do, Joshua, how are you going to lead these people? And that commentary that he gives in the book of Deuteronomy, when we read 
even see this, what's going on with those people. Look at our lives. It is no different. If we turn away from God, if we can see our money doesn't go like it needs to, if we see our health is not like it needs to be, you can see that every time we're being plundered, we're being plundered by the state, we're being plundered by the healthcare professionals, we're being plundered by politicians, we're being plundered by what you call the educational system, we're plundered, 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 plundered by what you call evangelical Christians that say, we don't owe you all any restitution for anything that we've ever done. You talking about plundered, plundered, plundered. We got to do what he told them, mourn. Mourn and go back to God and say, you know, we may not have ever been with you. Teach me to be with you. Teach me to be what you would have me to be so that I won't be churching no more ever. But what they'll be doing is learning your ways. I will go to the mountain of the house of you, or the house of you, Lord, and I will learn your ways. I will walk in your ways. I will teach my children and their children and their children to the fourth generation so that you can get the glory in our life. That's our message. That's Joel number one. And I, I, I really pray that I was able to open that up so that we can see that you have an idea about Joel, but it's, it's, it's not just way off in the future. It's some things that was in the future, but that time, but it's all an indictment. That indictment was real. And it's just as real for us today. There's not really that much to do the way we actually did in the day of Joel. It's not that much a difference things are. I think they say we own one half of 1% of all the wealth in the world, as long as we've been here in America, as much wealth as we've made for people. Why is that? It has to be God's hand is against us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace and power. You by your might and your hand that you would cause us, that you would cause us to be humble to you, humble, and that we do everything in our power to have to experience the day of the Lord on us, but that come on our enemies. Bring your day. Bring your day of judgment on the wicked. Bring your day of judgment on the pedophiles. Bring your day of judgment on the people that steal and, and traffic children. Bring your day of judgment on those that are not only still selling people as slaves and, and that have benefited from it and they don't want to deal with what they need to deal with. Bring your day of judgment on those that arrogant and that's got a attitude that we don't really care all we want to do is just let things be like they are. Help us, Lord, that we would be who you would have us to be, that we will not always languish, but that we'll be able to fulfill your in our lives. Amen, amen, and amen. amen. I now open our class for discussion. If there's going to be any for tonight. It, um, could you? I'm talking to you. Did it? Did it show up? I don't know. Did it show up in any way that um that I had been poisoned, or was I was I back to normal? 
She's not answering me, Gary, so I'll ask you. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Because not only did we extra, they have all of this internet, but yet it just seems amazing. We hear this periodically, don't we? Yeah. It just seems as I want to call it the devil. We have any comments tonight? You were back to normal, by the way. I couldn't get my phone to be right. Um, can you hear me? I do. Um, it it was a very thought provoking message. Um, one of the things that really uh, stood out to me is when you said you don't. I think you said don't get used to things being bad. Repent. That was uh, that was uh, good, and and the focus on mourning. That's talking to love because I got it out to go. Okay, I said one of the things that really stood out to me was when you said don't get used to things being bad. It's like we get used to things being bad, and then you said repent. And then uh, one of the other things that just stood out to me was the mourning. Um, so that that really stood out to me. I, it was a, it was a good message. It was encouraging, in spite of all of the um, the circumstances surrounding what's going on. And even even when you went to Romans, was talking about the not boasting. There's there's still um, there's still work to be done, and 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 uh, not boasting. So and and you said something near the end, like we maybe if we were never in. And just been churching, so I was like, okay, to 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 really go way, way deep down and see. So that 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 rang to me. I would like for you to, you you went into Deuteronomy, and I I I think you said 32, where you were saying he was quoting Moses. Can you tell me specifically what where you said? Because by the time I got ready to go, I, I and turned to it, um, I wasn't sure. I think it's thirty-two forty-nine. Let me look. Oh, Where is it talking about when the Lord will bring us from the far end of the earth? Is that one? I think so. I, you were talking, you had gone on and was talking about the corn that's and so it, forth. And went to, you went to Hosea, I think. Um, wait, I lost my place. He will eat the fruit of your cattle, the fruit of your land, until you be destroyed. Corn, wine, no oil, nor increase of your kind or flocks of thy sheep. Until he has destroyed thee. And this is why I say that Moses commentary on what they call the minor prophets and all those other prophets. If you know what Moses said, you close to it. You're gonna be close. 
Even the Messiah, he said, if you remember, he said, if you had believed Moses, you would believe mm -hmm. me. He, he wrote of me. Remember the parable with a less than the rich man? Abraham said, boy. I said, boy. Let me tell you something. If I go back from the dead, Moses and the prophets, let him hear them. One come back from the dead. That, that let me know Moses was important. Yeah, do you have any other questions? No, uh, you answered it. Any other comments? No, it was, it was just good. I don't hear him. Girl. So you answered it. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. The reason we can't really hear you is we have a fan going, so okay. Um, up on his computer is well, but I got everything allows it to go. Okay, that's what that's what's happening. Okay, no, I, I I'm just I'm just um I'm just uh chewing on it. Well, if there's no more comments, I'll just say may the Lord bless us and keep us and make his face to shine upon us, be glorious to us, help us to obtain the glory that he wants us to have, and give us his peace to spread to the world. Go ahead, Precious Lord. I think it did. I don't know in a minute. Well, I, I wanted to have something to say. Okay, Just go ahead. Um, what stuck out to me when you went to Deuteronomy and Isaiah, um, especially to Deuteronomy, how we forget that we are in covenant. Mm -hmm. And I think that down the line, I think that that's what happened with them that you forget that you are in a covenant and there are responsibilities requirements judgments that go along with it and so you you get into he and he said and he warned them from the beginning that you'll go over and you'll get all of the blessings that i that i've uh, stated here and provided for you but you'll change your mind about it and say by my hand have i gotten this well and so you forget, and you forget the covenant. So you forget that there were also curses in the covenant. And I think when we, it's the same thing with us that that our blessings and our well-being and our resources are directly tied to our righteousness. And so we think we can be unrighteous and still have the resources. We better look and see throughout time. We are, we are people who have taken the covenant upon us. We are in covenant with him and we forget that there are certain responsibilities. We forget. We forget that he has called us to do certain things and that he has tied it to whether or not we will prosper. And the, the worst thing about it is this, is that the church has taught us 
that is not tied to that, that our well-being, our resources, our health, our wealth, is not actually tied to our righteousness. They have taught us, some have taught that it's tied to the tithe. And that if you pay the tithe, then you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, you know. And you'll you'll have everything and you'll prosper and you'll have all the resources you need. All you have to do is sow a seed, and that's it. Others have taught that your well-being is just remembering and just taking the covenant on your mouth, on your lips, and saying it. And saying, I have faith. Well, it's your faith. Well, well, what does that mean? Well, don't you believe in Jesus? Well, what does that mean? And so you go in a circle and you say, well, you know, well, your works mean nothing. And so my, you say I'm severed. I've, I've cut and I've said that my righteousness, my health, wealth, and well-being is not tied to my righteousness. And it is because he did it. It's tied to that because we're supposed to be an example to the rest of the world. So when Paul talks about adjuring people, you know, and admonishing people to be reconciled to God, it's not just to believe it, it's to come back to the covenant and to know that you are where you are and you don't have because you haven't done the covenant, you haven't done righteousness. And so he says, once you do that, I'll restore. And so we think about salvation and we think about um under grace, you know, well, we, we're not under law, we're under grace. Yes, but let's look at that because in Judges, every time that they were delivered, they were under grace. Yeah. Every time. Seven times. Every time that they were delivered, they were under grace. But what, it, what grace means is that it's going to teach you once again to deny ungodliness. And so if you're not teaching people that, then this is when we look at the state of what you call the black people in America. You understand that it's like you all are in churches and you can't prosper. You may, and you, and you think you look at the ones who are prospering, they don't go to church. They have learned to work with the systems of this world and they have decided that I'll be somebody, I'll let someone else be my master and I'll take that covenant on my lips. So if I say something wrong, I got to take it back because they are my overlords. I have chosen another God, the God of wood. That's what money is made of. It's made of wood. That's your God now. And so I think it's like, if we don't understand that we are in covenant and what that means, we're going to continue to be the mules of the earth. We're going to sow and not reap. We're going to plant and that harvest, we're going to build and not live in it. It's going to continue to be that way until we do righteousness. And we understand that that's how he tied it together. That you will have everything you need if you do righteousness in the earth. But if you don't, you won't have. And so this is where we are today. And if we don't teach these people, there's an understanding because the church is a pack. Well, they're not packed now. But, but you can't come back and double down 
on the same thing you've been teaching. You have to teach an understanding of the scriptures and what it means to be in covenant. Because you think you just walk down the aisle and say, you know, I, I'm going to confess and, I, I, you know, and I'm going to say the sinner's prayer. But you entered into a covenant. And you have to understand the Elohim, the Most High, Yah, in order to know what he was inside of the covenant. But you being taught about, you can talk to, you know, the the doctrines of men, and you you can't figure out why you can't overcome come watching pornography and Lord. homosexuality Lord, and being a thief and, and being a liar. It's because they haven't taught you about the God you say that you want to serve. And so they've taught you the doctrines of men. And if you come and show up at church, you are glory. You know, you're going to be all right. If you pay your tithe, glory, you're going to be all right. We're going to absolve you of all of your sins. And we're going to tell you everything is going to be all right, even though you know it's not. So that's where it's it also made me think about Isaiah 65. I think it's Isaiah 65. Where he talks about when you get to um, that he's going to rid you of all, all the pretty much of all the uh, rabble rousers and all of the disobedient people. And he said in, at that time what's going to happen is before you call I will answer. Before you call I will answer. And while you yet speak, I'm going to hear. I'm going to answer. So you're going to have. That's what the place where we want to be. We and we do all these praying and getting together and having and shut being shut in and do all this kind of stuff. But it's like, what? Where are we in the covenant? We're not being. We're not weighing our righteousness. We're not seeing that He has tied it. That's why the world is so wicked now. It's because we've decided not to do righteousness. We've decided it's okay to have faulty weights and balances. We, 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 it's okay. It's okay to cheat somebody. It's okay to walk away with some change that you know that they just made a mistake. The cashier made a mistake. Yeah. It's okay to go, you know to be having uh, it, uh, to go on the internet and, and, and have all these friends and and neglect your husband and your children or your wife and your children. It's okay to it's okay to do that. Yeah. It's okay because the world has taught me that it's about me and I need to find some happiness. And the church has taught me that, that yeah, I've done part. I showed up on Sunday or whatever day you worship. I showed up for a Bible study. I paid my tithe. I've done my part. And they told you that is your righteousness. Yes. And it is a lie. It is a damnable lie. It is. Was I right? 65? I don't see it anymore. Okay. I'll look at it. Go ahead. Keep talking. No, that's okay. I want to look at it. I, I, but I got a computer. I okay. can cheat. But, but it's just talking about pretty much the day of the Lord. And I like the way you explain that because it's anytime he comes to uh, say, uh, you're, not, you, you're not following the covenant. So you can look through the history of Israel and the history of Judah and you can see like you said many days of the Lord there's a time when he comes and he says I'm going to give you the other portion of the covenant you took a covenant 
Because I built your punishment into the covenant. Yes. I built your redemption into the covenant. I told you how to come back to me. I told you what it, what you will be doing when you walk away from me. I told you what I would do to you when you did, when you walked away from doing righteousness. See, people like think God just has this ego problem. He just wants somebody to worship him. No, this is for your peace. This is your wisdom. This is your understanding. You were right. It was Isaiah 6, 65 and 24 because I'm looking at the first parts of the verses. Uh -huh. I didn't go far enough down. But, but it's it's like that turn there. You know, you get to see that turn. You get to see everything that Joel is talking about that's happening to the people and what he's going to do because he has he's faithful. That's what it means for him to be faithful. I'm not just going to give you the good. I, we have a whole package. This is a total package. I gave you blessing for obedience and curses for disobedience. And I gave you patience. And I gave you uh, a way to return. Well, you, you can come back. You can come back. And so you see them repeatedly crying out. You see them in Judges. They do wrong. They forget the Lord. They go after other, other, other gods. The Midianites come in, rob them, snatch all their stuff up. Can't, you can't even try to... Um, what was he doing? Thresh your wheat in a wine press. Hiding out. Hiding, trying to get it done. Trying to keep something. Yeah. And so you start seeing it. It's over and over again. And it's like, he comes and he says, listen, you're not keeping your end of the covenant. So I have to be faithful. My word. I have to I give to you what it. I told you I'd give you. I got to do it. I have to do it. But if I do it seven more times, I punish you. You don't return seven more. You can stop it. I already gave you the remedy. And Daniel said it the best, I think. Break Nebuchadnezzar. off. Break off. Yes. Break off your wickedness with righteousness. And you cry out to the Lord. So it's all there. But if you're not teaching people that, if you're not teaching what they've taken upon their and you say this, just confess with your mouth you know but it's more than that You all the way more and so anyway that was my thought, my thought. I like that yeah, alright good night everybody good night <laughs>